Thor Ackerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, I'm big into uh, No Death Runs, High Score Runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. I also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. So we have a special fucking bullshit treat for everyone. Kyle and Jeff are together. The Wastecast. Wastecast. We just did a picture of Margarita Massacre. So, what were we chatting about on emails throughout the week was, like, YouTube, and we've had a few people ask us, like, about how to become, quote-unquote, popular on shit, and it's like, well, we're video game bullshit, we're just persistent fucks. That's all we are, is, we're persistent, like, we just keep on keeping on. We do what we want to do, the way we want to do it. It takes a few years, in my opinion. (laughs) God. You gotta well, let it, like, stack up for a while. What was the classic that I was mentioning? It was, like, the, the new Nintendo Powercast was, like, please leave us a review, and it's, like, we never asked for that. We have, like, I think after years, we still have, like, two reviews. We're fine with that because we still ought to complete on Google. People find us. You well, guys still listen to us. It goes back to the millennial thing where they want it, like, overnight. It's like, dude, it's not overnight process. Yeah, every, everybody nowadays with the new internet generation wants everything immediately, and it's like, no, it's a it's a long haul. Yeah, get upset. We do it because we fucking enjoy bullshitting. You get upset if it doesn't take off right away. Like, literally, I should have just had my phone on record while we were drinking margaritas for the last couple hours, because it was hilarious, and it was like... Yeah. <laughs> Ladies at fucking Casa Del Mar probably thought we were insane. Sucking our dicks and shit was awesome. <laughs> Sucking our dicks and shit. Like, yeah. Not really, but yeah, really. And Kyle's over there with this custom Contra hat with camo on it. Yes. I got my new old stock Splatterhouse t-shirt on. Like, Looks good. Classics. Splatterhouse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like the, the classic is, is that a lot of people are micromanaging search engine optimization to become popular on YouTube and all that stuff, and it's like... I mean, it all depends on what you want. There's only so much you can do to make someone know who you are, so... Well, exactly, and then, like, if you become, like, say, YouTube popular, like, for example, the nerd or the game chasers or anybody else, it's like, all right, so you have your nerd or game chaser videos. So if you do a different video, that's a side thing. It's like our side quests or our live videos or live podcasts and shit. Just up the Gamester part. Yeah, and right so here. like, yeah, I've been chatting with Gamester and like, speak of the devil, you know, people are asking me, like Gamester and other people are like, well, 
what's going on here? And I'm like, well, it's not you, it's YouTube. Like, do you want to record what you're passionate about? Well, what what made you big anyway? Yeah, and there, there's that. So, so Kyle's argument is, what made you big? Instead so of just another guy. If you guy, do like... the Game Chaser episodes, you're going to get this many, let's say 10,000. But if you do a, let's talk with this guy about this thing randomly, like let's talk with Wood, and nobody likes Wood on Game Chasers, which is weird, because Wood's hilarious, but like, it's weird, but that gets a thousand views instead of ten thousand views because it's not a game chaser. Let's take episode. their let's take their channel and subtract all the game chaser episodes. Let's pretend those don't exist. Yeah. Now what kind of channel do we have? Yeah. Now it's a different thing. When like Gamester asks, like, "Hey, so my numbers are doing some weird stuff." It's like I looked at it and I'm like, "Well, first of all, he's getting some kind of weird thing with the whole YouTube ad thing where it's like auto-flagging his videos, which, which shouldn't happen. PewDiePie so, bullshit. There's already a YouTube issue why people aren't seeing it. Because yeah. like I wasn't seeing That's it. That's all across the board, too. That's and, and it's with abandoned videos, everything. Lots uh, of people are suffering it. And that's not his fault. And they'll re-upload it, and it won't be demonetized. Yeah. So what the fuck? So he's been like waiting for YouTube to approve shit before he posts it, but even when he posts it, it's still like not visible. So when people are listening, what the fuck are we talking about right now? A bunch of fucking semantics that YouTube does that people have to jump through. Fucking hoops. Like, is that sound fun to you, Kyle? No. Doesn't sound fucking fun to me. You know what sounds fun to me? Drinking some goddamn vodka and lemonade right now with that's you right. and hanging out. Like that's that's what sounds fun to me. It's bullshitting about games. That sounds fun. Bullshitting about why YouTube is fucked up. That's what we're doing right here. We're gonna bullshit about why all of that is bullshit. People want to see the person, so you become, exactly. It's not the video because everyone's done a certain type of video like Mario Three, but you want to watch Mario Three done by this certain person because that's the person that you subscribe to. So it's it's more like. You have to be the personality, and you can't, yeah. and you can't expect people to know who you are. The fastest way, though, is to connect through the community and get the rub, as they say, like sure. wrestling. Get get the rub off other people who are well known. That's probably your best bet. I would um, say like the classic is is that people nowadays. people watch Game Thirty One because he has this crazy ass obscure console collection that he's talked about. So, like, they don't really care about the obscure console because every single swinging dick is out there already fucking throwing a video out on this. But they want to see Gamester's take on it. So if he talks about it in, like, two seconds and, like, gives it a little quick video, that's cool. But they want to see Gamester go over every single little nuance in his own way. You know, what, what brought him what out was, brought like, him to this the dude dance. has everything, every system. Exactly. Just about. So... He, he also posted that video where he showed the whole room and he had all the shelves going across and just all the consoles, just, you know, from day one. Exactly. So, uh, and that, like, no one else has that, so that makes a niche. It's like making a niche mark. You have to make a mark somewhere that someone else hasn't. If you if you make a mark in the same place that's already been marked, then you're just going down a groove. Exactly. So it's like knowing that and being able to take a step back for people and know what brought you to the dance but also more importantly what you're passionate about because really if we wanted to fucking quote unquote make it as a podcast and 
like whatever what what's making it is being what self-sufficient as a podcast we would have to jump through hoops fuck that we're gonna record what we record have fun with it and bullshit and making it and making it to me is just people listening yeah making it to other people is getting paid yeah but that ain't us. i don't see this as a it's not a money thing it's a fun thing because that ruins the purpose because then the mindset's different like oh Let's do this topic because it'll make more money. No, it's let's do this topic because we're yeah interested in it. That's the whole difference. And and the luck part is when there's somebody who jumps into it, like for YouTubers, that happen to be passionate about what makes money on YouTube right now. Keyword being right now. So the classic is Sean Long. And like right now, he likes to just BS about the newest and craziest newsworthy topic. Well, that's what makes money on YouTube, too, but he enjoys it. That's what he's passionate about, too. So it works really well for him. And if other people try to follow suit, like, say, the anger video game, or try to do that, it wouldn't work because that's not his passion. So he'd be forcing it. It'd be like if we tried to do fucking brand new new shit and you don't give a fuck about whatever the hell new Xbox shit that's going on. Yeah, so that's why we give don't. give no shits. That's why we don't do it. That's why we don't do it. Because you can tell... Yeah. And then it's not... But us shooting the shit on... What it should be. The shit behind it is what we're into. Finding some way to get interested exactly. through a, a backdoor. Like anything retro is what we're all about. Or you can you can compare new versus old now. So now let's compare the two and now it gets oh. interesting. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And it all gets super cool and interesting and fun. And Figuring out a way to uh, unleash the passion. Cause I, th- I think the key with that is... People can tell when you're not passionate, so that would be it. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why it doesn't work, because it's like a gauge that everyone has. It's kind of like computer graphics. You can tell when it's like CGI. Yeah. Nowadays, it's getting harder, but you know what I mean. Oh, it's definitely getting crazy nowadays. Yeah. But yeah. And the thing is, as we're talking, I'm looking around Kyle's fucking lair over here. Just in the side room, not even in the fucking museum. Yes. He has, like, games everywhere. Like, there's a whole Doom shrine. Fucking... All the way through the, through the years. Wolfenstein oh. 3D all the way down. <laughs> yes. Hexen. Now shit. I look down and I see even my book releases down there. I'm like, God damn it. Yes, and those over there. It's like I'm on my ninth book about to get released, and then I'm like, oh, there's all eight. <laughs> God damn, God. got the paper. God damn, pal. Paperbacks. And Kyle's all the paperbacks. Like, if somebody wants to fucking know what to collect for my shit, Kyle has it. <laughs> like goddamn, the hard the only person I know. The hards and the papers. Yeah, hardbacks and the papers. It's awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Jeff didn't give me a, like. No, Kyle supports. We support each other. Yeah. We support. Well, I didn't want discount. Sure, I need it. Like it's but, just. Yeah. No, Kyle's just helping, helping out every little fucking bit whenever we do a passion project helps out. Like, That's the beauty where the perception we're saying people think just because. Jeff's an author. He's like a millionaire or something. That, that, <laughs> like, or we have a podcast where do like... Do you ever listen from day one of VGBS? <laughs> we started like here. Like, and that's what we were talking about at the restaurant. Like how people have this idea that if you're known, you're like fucking made. Well, that was the, the mind-blowing <laughs> thing is like we've had people contact us off, off, off like randomly. Like I just went and like did my next move. Because like in season one... We were, I was moving out to Maryland. Well, I moved from Maryland now, and like the guy who bought my place in Maryland knew my books. Like he like fucking yeah. knew me as the author. It's like, dude, it's such a niche fucking retro gaming thing. And you know, like, that's yet cool. this dude knew 
who the fuck I was, and it's like that's humbling, is what it is. Small it's crazy. World. It's yeah, like, it makes you feel real good. It's like crazy. It's like, well, whatever I'm doing must be fucking working because people now and are experiencing what we're doing. Like, it's funny to think what he was thinking. Like, whoa, I expected him to. I was wondering if you were nice to him. I wonder if he was thinking like, oh, that's surprising, or you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm always. I'm me. People's perceptions is just such a big thing because a lot of celebrity types in the real world not calling us but i'm just saying that like you walk up to them they don't want anything to do with you or they're just kind of like leave me alone andre the giant would just ignore people well it also thinks about like like, the actual person's personality so like i'm a type a where i'll talk to anybody i don't give a fuck uh whereas there's other people like dang or video game nerd who's not a type a or even me or you. You're not a type if A. If I don't know somebody, I'm, I'm a little bit standoffish. So if you ever see Kyle at Midwest Gaming Classic, which is the one that he goes to every year no matter what because it's close, like, he'll be there. He may not come up and say what's up. You, you even say what's up to Kyle, and he might be like, huh? what's up, dude? No, <laughs> like, I'll like, talk hey. to him, but it, I'm not being a dick. But He's just Kyle. Once you get to know me... Whereas me, you come Dennis. up to me and I have my books on the table, I'll bullshit with you for hours. That's just who I am. Yes, yeah, it's a different... And I know that um, we were chatting about it, but we might go to Classic Game Fest in Texas this year. They invited us out. Cool. And, like, any convention that brings us out, we'll fucking come out. Like, why as well? Yeah. I just see it as um, I'm more reserved. I've been fucked over by a lot of people in my life, though. <laughs> that's another thing cautious, where... Cautious Kyle. Yeah, like, I... You gotta be careful just in today's world in general. Mm-hmm. So. For sure, though. Yeah. And, I mean. It's a mix of everything. But the thing is, somebody says they listen to VGBS, it's always, like, crazy. Well, then it's a whole different story. Well, it's like the one picture that's on my, one of my social media walls. is like you and me and the one fan from MGC, which the one fan's a YouTuber that's probably got more subs than we can actually calculate because the thing is with vgbs like you guys that are listening like we can't calculate how many people listen we can estimate and our estimations are it's fucking crazy it's awesome but like we don't know it's not like a, oh we have this many subs like that ain't how podcasting works and that's how i like it i like it like that because then we don't have to worry about it we don't have to worry about trying to oh we gotta hit forty thousand now or fifty thousand like we don't well, give a shit that like, changes the whole perception of what should this episode be now? Like, instead, oh, now we have to do it. We have to tailor it to this yeah. thing. It's so like, that nah. a whole different thing. Now, this episode's going to be about us bullshitting about bullshit. That's, that's, what, that's the danger. Because we're drunk. About, we're drunk. <laughs> that's the danger about money and, like... It's us being real. Bands or films, whatever, where it, it can go into that direction. You just have to be careful. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I mean, the key is, is doing what you do for yourself. Like, in all reality, like, we do what we like. Well, and at the end of the day, like, that's who you're left with, is you. Yeah. So. Putting out something that you're proud if, of. If you're not of. happy with it, then you're just hurting yourself. In the if you're proud, then you're, you're then you're going to be having a great time. The artists, Afterglow, you'll be proud. Yeah. Years from now, you can go back. And that's the thing, too. We're saying, like... NES Pursuit, for example, deleted all their videos. Like, Which is mind-blowing. All that work, though. Because, like, the Retro Liberty, NES Pursuit, like, did how many years? A lot. And they had a pretty big following. They were genuine. Their videos were entertaining. It was cool to watch. And then, like, they didn't just stop doing it. They deleted everything. It's bizarre. It, it's, like, gone. So Completely. That's where it's, like, weird because then it's, like, well, 
did you not care about anybody experiencing it? Because people could watch that for the rest of their lives and enjoy it, even in episode one. I, I don't see any reason to burn all your paintings, yeah, so to speak. And now the the classic is is that I was telling Kyle was is that the main guy from Retro Liberty and the S Pursuit is now doing videos again. Like, I have to assume that he's probably not doing all the editing, because the editing takes a lot of fucking time. Right. Knows. But... Again, why you wouldn't want to delete it. He's doing videos again. So it's like, all right, so he's doing videos again, but it's like, do I want to invest my time and effort into this guy and his opinions when the last time he just up and deleted everything? Let me have that. That's why I kind of like the physical medium of the books... And even VGBS Season 1, putting it on a cartridge and then having the physical USB drive with it. Because no matter what, okay, say we get a bug up our ass and want to delete it. Well, guess what? It's there. It's always going to be somewhere. Somebody, somebody will have it, and it can go on forever at that point. Because somebody will preserve it. That's the, that's the idea. And, and someone, like, we're going to preserve it, too. But others will. That's what's crazy. Someone did upload all the NES Pursuit episodes. It's like a tribute channel. Yeah. So someone did preserve it, which is good, but it's just bizarre why that day comes where you just kill all your content. I can never understand that. And I mean, they whether they had personal demons and we don't know I'm what sure we don't know. Of course we don't. But I'm sure it was something like that. We don't just think about ourselves. Well, yeah, I mean, you can just walk away. It doesn't mean you have to delete it. Exactly. Because then you're literally removing the ability of others to enjoy it. Yeah. Like, nope, just mine. Bye. And all the work you've done. Bye, Felicia. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, out of the room. Like, <laughs> like, like, for real. It's like... Well, it, it's like taking a year to grow your hair out long and then just cutting it off just for no reason. Yeah? It's just a why well, grow out a big beard and then you just cut it off for no reason like why would you go through all that then to just throw it away it doesn't make sense to me <laughs> shit like that blows my mind i see that a lot though there's a lot of youtube channels not even just game based but just general where if they don't hit gangbusters status yeah real quick they like, lose motivation that's but then they they almost get mad and like delete their channel it's almost like a like fuck you then you know but it's like so that's exactly what i told the millennial thing. gamester it's because I chatted with Gamester for like an hour or two on the phone, and I'm like, so the main thing is, what do you like doing? What are you getting out of it? Like, Because the key is, is if you're enjoying what you're doing, it doesn't matter what the views are. It doesn't matter. Like, sure, his numbers right now are weird looking. They're not right. But that's YouTube's problem. They need to fix that shit. Yeah. And his problem. He's doing what he's always done. And it's doing and what it's it's good. Doing. Yeah. It's his own thing. Sure, he could go into more depth, for example. Because, I mean, I just watched, like, one of his videos where he, like, talked about a bunch of books. And he, like, was blast-firing it, going through really fast. Classic Gamester. Which, that's classic Gamester, though. That's not his. That's what he does. Yeah. But, like, if he slowed it down, it wouldn't be classic. It might not do as well. There's that, too. But that's not his fault. Like, and that's the other aspect is, is that if you're doing what you enjoy, it gives a shit. It might not make you a million dollars this week. It probably won't. Someone else is, though. 
And that's what drives people. That's the, it's like, that's why the, does this podcast make money when Kyle and I don't make money? Well, it's because we don't have fucking ads. Do you like not having ads? Well, you're never going to have ads because we yeah. fucking hate ads, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, for real. That's why we're never going to have them. We have a do unto others mentality. We're, like, they're going to make their money on their ad revenue so they can pay for the podcast. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll release season two on a physical cartridge, and we'll make enough money to sustain us for years. And you'll get something cool out of it! Well, if the, those <laughs> podcasters with the ads listen to an episode, would they want to hear ads? Probably not. No. So that's just the hypocrisy. And I've, I've literally unsubscribed to, like, six podcasts because of the fucking ads were crazy. The biggest retro gaming podcast out there, The Who Shall Not Be Named, I just unsubscribed to them because they're... they're fucking ads were crazy. It was like 15 minutes before the episode will start. And if he was thinking with the Bishop Brothers, that wasn't an ad that we never got paid a, a red penny for that. We were no, it was, it was a funny. fucking joke. Yeah. And we had that in two episodes, but that's a complete joke. Exactly. That's classic. We did it the first and, time. And Bishop, and Bishop doesn't even sell shit anymore. That's the best. So it doesn't even somebody, matter. Yeah. Somebody, the, the classic with Bishop, somebody posted his shit on eBay for like each game for like $125 a piece and he's like, what is my shit made of gold? You know, he posted that on the Facebook. He's like, my shit's made of gold, guys. That's Go ahead awesome. and buy it. Like, yes. he's like, because he doesn't have the time. He's a family. Like, he's a normal dude. He wa When we posted that first commercial, he was trying to do some cool stuff. And then he just didn't have the time like a lot of people do. But there was no money involved. No. In that exchange. Mm -mm. We did that just because it was funny. And we I don't know what to do to Portland. It's cool we as thought shit. it was cool to do. Funny as fuck. That was literally his response to somebody on Facebook. Instead of like... Sending a guy a text on how to hack something, he goes, he does that fucking thing, and it's like... Yeah, the, the, the genie thing. Yo! <laughs> like, pops out of the little lamp. Boom! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Jumping around, so... The thing is, though, with the ads, it becomes a little tedious, a little crazy. We'll just put our shit on a physical thing, make something cool that will stand forever, and... It will help us get a couple extra bucks. Like, it helped us get better recording equipment, for example, from season one. Like, that's awesome. Everybody fucking benefits. We don't make money from it. We just pour it back into the podcast. Well, if I spend time recording it... And yeah. Not, like, even the editing, but just recording it in general. That's so much time. So... Yeah. That's never gonna get wasted, in my opinion. Ex not not in my watch. Ex not in my army. Because <laughs> no. that's just like... Not on my podcast. That's just spitting in the wind. Exactly. Drinking our vodka and lemonades at Kyle's house right now. Giant fucking yes. jugs of vodka and lemonade everywhere. <laughs> Flowing forever into my veins. Woo, doggy. Get that fucking vein going. It's not even five o'clock now. No, it's not even... It's not even early. Then the other thing is, so we've been bullshitting all fucking nights. Like, we should have literally hit record. But, like, some of the classics we were talking about is, like, guests that we've had on in season one, Mr. Joe Granado. So, so Granado's on season one. This is going to be in season four. And <laughs> he still hasn't pushed out the game or the, even the Blu-rays for the movie. Uh -oh. Yet he loaded a new Kickstarter, which looks amazing. It's NES Maker. He didn't really accentuate that, hey, while I'm working on Mystic Searches, the new NES game, like, I literally used this program to build the game, which is, it's here. So, that's the weird aspect, is that Mr. Mr. Joe, 
It's a buddy of ours. But, like, he literally is putting out another Kickstarter without releasing the backer items from a Kickstarter from two, three years ago. But he's showing everyone, like, this is what I'm currently doing. This is what I'm doing. Instead of... Instead of shipping you <laughs> the Blu-rays, and they're posting like pictures with the Blu-rays that are already created. It's like he doesn't even realize the bad form. And it's like, I don't give a shit because like I've seen the movie. There's guys who haven't seen the movie. I was able to go to conventions and actually watch the movie. The movie's awesome. Yeah. But like I don't have my Blu-ray, but I don't care. And you because have I've seen the it. One percent. <laughs> I'm a one percenter. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But there's guys out there that back them on day one. And have their Kickstarter, and they're seeing them post their pictures, smiling, and with the new game for the new Kickstarter. And what the, about the thing? The Blu-rays right here for fucking on, sale yeah, that they thinking. that they don't have in their. And then that this backer doesn't make sense. Yeah, doesn't have their shit. It's the like because I'm looking at Kyle's books of mine. It's like all right, so I've had eight books released. They've all went out to every single backer, every single one. Like my newest Kickstarter's in publication, and as soon as that shit comes in, I'm gonna ship the motherfuckers out. Because people paid their hard-earned money to support my idea, so it's gonna go out to them immediately. It's like a big deal. The first, right? <laughs> like as soon as it's a huge wow, deal. as soon as Sly Dog Studios finished Black Box Challenge, immediately I started hand assembling these motherfuckers, the games in my. I started live streaming it, and I'm sitting there hand assembling the games because guess what? People have been waiting a year and a half for this shit, and they want their game. How huge of a deal is it for you? So like for me, it's like yeah. I'm sitting there hand assembling you know over I mean? 200 games, like the. Blu-rays for New 8-Bit Heroes are already done. Put them in a fucking mailer and ship them out to the people that backed you. And what he's not seeing is like, so Jeff makes sure Project A is finished before Project B begins type thing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the backers of Project A will probably and most likely back Project B and so forth. they're not waiting for Project A. Now let's look at the other side of that. Now the other side is is that (laughs) you have... People who support the idea of what he's doing, but they yet they haven't gotten Project A, B, or C. Project D over here is like is uh, now is another thing that he's getting himself into that he needs to ship out and fulfill all of these things. Now, if I was him and the physical distribution part wasn't your thing, just hire somebody to do it. That costs more money, but at least your shit gets out, and then you get more backers. Because he's going to lose a percentage. And a lot of those backers are the same backers as the previous project. Absolutely. And from like my perspective, it's like a lot of backers won't speak up. It's just like a lot of people don't comment on podcasts. That's okay. Because being a backer is taking a risk, <laughs> essentially. So you're kind of like, it comes with the territory yeah. to some extent. So that's like a mature backer. He's just going to wait. You know? But it's like, for example, my warehouse was shipping out fucking books without bubble wrap. That's a good one. And I didn't even know about this until a couple of people brought it to my attention. They're like, hey, I'm like, can you send me the pictures? And they're like, the corners are a little dented. And I'm like, yeah, it's fucked up. So then I call the the actual warehouse and they're like, oh yeah, it'll they'll be too big. The, the boxes aren't big enough to fit it. So then they're giving me this bullshit runaround. So then unknowingly to them, I ordered some for me. And I get them and the box is fucking huge. You could literally wrap this shit in like 17 wraps of bubble wrap and still fit it in the goddamn box. And I'm like, and they came to me dented. And I'm like, so how many backers of mine aren't saying anything? I'm just going with the flow. So 
the last guy, like, there was a guy in Canada that got his book, and it was fucking dented again. Mm. Eight, this is like six months later now. And so I call my warehouse. There's a new manager there. And they're like, oh, it's easy, but we didn't want to do it because it costs 12 cents extra a fucking order to put bubble wrap. And I'm like, it's crazy. I just go, are you kidding me? Of course do that. Yes. I've already spent hundreds to get to this point. Like Thousands. The, like, the people that enjoy my shit are collecting books. It's a collector's book. Of course, wrap it in bubble wrap. Yeah. I don't care. Like, it's 12 cents a book that will make sure that it's not dented. Yes. And now they're like, oh, okay. So now they created me a new thing in the system, but it's fixed. But if people didn't tell me that shit, so people need to speak up. And from a sales standpoint, like, wouldn't you want to, like, push that on your client? Yeah. I mean, you'd think. I mean, and would I complain if my shit came down? Yeah. And 12 extra cents. So if I'm a salesman, that's a win-win. So I can get you to believe and know that your books will be safer, and we get to make more money as a company. So why wouldn't they want it? I think it's so really that tells the, you the, the warehouse didn't want to pull. The, the blaziness. And that the manager either just didn't know or care, or she didn't care to, to oh yeah, it's we have to go through this hoop to make it work. Well, guess what? I was asking for this shit. I wanted it to happen. This has to happen. I was tempted to move fucking warehouses. Because they weren't wrapping my shit properly. They're just throwing a fucking piece of paper around the book and sending it out overseas. If I had a customer, I would just, like, send you a message anyway yeah. and say, Hey, dude, I just saw how much space is in there. Like, it's that extra gear. But people are missing that part today. So now, this is how far behind that Granada's project is. Because he hasn't even gotten through the packaging woes yeah, of shipping out physical items. Like, there's a whole nother, like, mountain he has to climb. And it's like, I've been doing this shit for years And he doesn't now. know that it's a mountain. Someone's going to get a Blu-ray, it's going to be shattered or whatever. Exactly. And they're going to be like, dude, this is say unacceptable. Say they throw it in a fucking envelope and sh ship them out instead of a bubble mailer. Especially if they're lazy and figure it'll be okay. And Which in the end, what do you do if... The shit gets damaged, guess what you do? You send them a new item, and you don't charge them you anything. eat it. Because they supported you. Yeah, you eat that shit like a big like, old dick. And, and you got it, man. Worse, I'm, Unfortunately. I'm, I'm me. I'm not a fucking company. He's man. him. Joe Granado's is Joe Granado. Like, he's not a big company. But it has to be fucking right. Yeah. That's, that's just, the main thing. I promised you something, you gave me money. And that's where, like, it's interesting, because his new project's fucking amazing, but I remember talking to him a year ago, and he said, oh yeah, I want to launch NES Maker, but I want to make sure Mystic Searches is out before I launch it. Guess what? It's a year later, Mystic Searches ain't out, and NES Maker launched. Yeah. And it's like, he's getting excited about the new thing, and that's where you can tell Joe's passion is in creation. But he hasn't released. The movie's out. He's fucking screened it. He hasn't released the DVDs. He, the, the actual New 8-Bit Heroes is on, like, live streaming. It's on, online. You can watch it right now online. However, the physical copies that people back are not out yet at the time of this recording. So that's interesting. Well, it shows you where people have strengths. Like, a lot of people that we know, they might be good at... Um, creating the actual artistic part, but then marketing it, they're not good at. Or maybe they're good at the marketing, but they, they don't or know even the me, steps to, you know, deliver the product. Yeah, or me being real. Yeah. Like me trying to self-edit my previous fucking books. Now I actually have an editor, and he finds like two, three hundred fucking items every time he edits it. And it's like, oh yeah, and all his edits are legit. 
<laughs> and it's like, I didn't catch that shit. And so it's me looking inwards like, all right, so this is going to make a better holistic product if I have an editor on it. So if he needs somebody to fucking get the books out or get the DVDs out the door or get the games out the door, like, so be it. It costs a little bit of fucking money. But you got to take care of who's supporting you. That's the main thing. It'd be like us not taking care of our fucking Kickstarter backers from season one. Like, immediately. Like, it's it's funny because there's other podcasts who do homebrew shit talking about, oh, Eskimo Bob's the fastest fucking Kickstarter that's, that gave their games to the backers. Like, I think we're immediate. Like, literally, yeah. once we got funded, we got had the games and fucking shipped them out within a month. Well, to me, it's a garden mentality. Like, you're building a garden. Yeah. Something that's going to stay over the test of time. It was a gimmick. 100% a gimmick. It was just, you can read about our podcast. There's something that's never, but it's never been done like that. So we're the first to do that. Now when season two comes out, hopefully Memblers comes through and you can listen to our whole fucking podcast on the fucking Nintendo card. That'd be great. If it doesn't happen like that, we'll at least have something on there. That'd be cool too. But like, because we've already done season one like season one. Now yeah. we got to raise the bar a little. Every time, raise the bar. That's the only way. Because right now, it's a cheap-ass mapper that we can do and keep the game costs down. It's like cheap as shit. Like CIB was like $40. That's cheap as shit for anybody. But like if we add a bunch of extra shit, a crazy-ass board or something, it's not gonna. It, it's going to cost more than 40 bucks to make. That's the other aspect. And Kyle had a fucking APB on some thumb drives and shit, so, oh, yeah. which we no longer have. So like season two... The cost to be whatever it is, and the thing is, though, the funding goal will be cheap. And and that was the thing about what NES Maker is that the funding goal is pretty high. He'll probably get it, because the fucking thing's cool. But, like, if he's already doing it, why does he need this X amount of dollars to just produce the physical items when it's already... The conceptual aspects of it are already paid for. That's what other people think, too, so... Now, now, like, stretch goals to add more like, modules, which the modules would be like, so, Mystic Searches is an action RPG, so that's already created. So, say you wanted to add a platforming game module, that would cost money because it would take time to implement and edit and all that shit. So, got it. That costs money. That's a stretch goal. But your funding goal should be minimal. Like, I know there's a whole Kickstarter algorithm that if you only have a cheap funding goal, it's not going to raise money, but in my opinion, a cool item will raise infinite money because people are going to want it. If it's cool, people want it. It doesn't matter if you said $5,000 or $500,000 to raise it. Like, It's cool. Mm. It doesn't matter. That's that's all semantics to me. Something cool, too. They yeah. want it today and they'll want it 10 years from now. Exactly. So, and I mean, proof is in the pudding. Looking at Kyle's fucking books that he has of mine, I get fucking requests on the 90, 91, complete NES hardcover, all the stuff that's out of print. I get requests daily from people wanting them, and they're out of print because I literally fund them on Kickstarter and can pay for a print run. I don't have infinite money to keep printing the books infinitely. But if I did, and it was print-on-demand, like my first book, it cost a shit ton of money. And then people are like, well, it's too expensive. That's why I do the Kickstarter thing, so you can get it for a cheap price. Yeah, one and done. One and done, though. But, like, with my newer books, I can print more, but 
but still, it's fucking nuts. It's crazy. Yeah, it's systematically though. It's a great idea to do it one and done. Yeah, because that's what's beautiful about Kickstarter. Man. You get that extra little like oomph. And to, to me though, it also makes it special because I'm not printing more. And you're feeling out the demand. Yeah. Out there, you're testing the waters. You you're basically fishing. Cast your reel, throw in your bobber, and it's like okay, we got some bites here. Cool. All right. Well, let's go with this. And without Kickstarter. It would be a little tougher. And you gotta think, like, realistically, do people expect me to, like, sit on thousands of books just in case somebody might want one? Like, that's crazy. Like, that's the perception where it's like, oh, he's he's got, like, a million, I mean, you know? And then, like, print on demand, like, I, my, the NES audience I'm looking at, it's 500 fucking pages. It's huge. It's, print quality is amazing. Like, there's no way you could do that print on demand for less than $100. And, like, I'm charging 40 for it because, like, literally printing in bulk on Kickstarter is cheaper. And then I, ha I do have a couple extras, which was great, and I threw them on Amazon and in my bookstore. Like, it I comes, got what I got. It comes down to, like, people who say perception is reality, that's not true. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not. Reality is reality. Yeah, reality is fucking reality. And perception is, like, a delusion. Exactly. Because you're assuming, according to your personal biases... This guy's got to be rich. He's known. Those are biases, though. Yeah. They are. Absolutely. It's, it's a way of looking at something positive or negative in an absolute way. So. And you know what they say about assuming? It makes an ass out of you and me. Yes. Yes. podcast as a hobby 
I do the books as a hobby. It's all fucking fun. You don't make money on it. Like, I lost money on the books last year. Like, what was I saying? Like, four grand last year. <laughs> like, I lost money. Like, it's like $4,000 a lot to people. It is. <laughs> so I like to turn a blind eye to the conclusion of my art. Yeah. So that everything is just a new... New experience. Purely for me, though, and not with a uh, conceptualized, like, change from the outside environment. I just want it to be, like, this is what we would do if it was from day one or now, whatever. Day one-ish. And th- and we would never change. And, we you know, we've changed through the years, but in the way of the purity of releasing the art. Yeah. It's, it's always from the heart, you know? And that's the key is that... We just try to do everything as genuine as possible. We raise yeah. the bar on ourselves constantly because we can. Yeah, and we and that's just evolving and growing and learning. It's like um, I've heard people, I've heard bands giving concerts for two people. Yeah, or pro yeah. wrestlers wrestling <laughs> in a fucking elementary school with carpeted, like in gymnasium, which we saw because they don't give a shit. Doing it because they're passionate and they gave it their all though. They still give it their all. Necro Butcher cutting dude's fucking head with scissors and like no one's even watching. And later on he's in the movie The Wrestler and we saw this dude in a fucking gymnasium <laughs> with like 80 of us there max. Like, holy shit. Oh my god. They're acting like there's 5,000 people. That's a professional though. Well yeah. That's the key. You, It doesn't matter how many there are as long as someone is there they deserve to be entertained. Because when you do your craft you do your craft regardless of who's listening. Yeah, I mean, even if no one's there, well, at least let's do it for ourselves. Yeah. Which, which we started out as anyway. <laughs> you know, because no, we didn't go through anyone to get known. We just, we just did what we did. Kind of, we recorded because we were already talking mm-hmm. for hours on the phone, and yeah, we never got the rub from anybody. I would say, if anything, give it to Jeff for just going to the conventions, and and now. If anybody invites us to conventions and they pay for anything, Kyle's going to come too if he can. Like, like if we can afford to go, we'll go. There's conventions every weekend and people invite. And it's like, that's on the conventions are awesome. How you brought it, you, you know, reached out to the community and created, like, bonds with people. Yeah. And then that's how we got a lot of our guests. It's organic. And then we, we get those guests and then that helps them get known through our listener base and there's it's a beautiful connection like hive mind and then we've had some guests that are like way beyond whatever we'll ever achieve because they're and that's a special thing for us fucking ridiculous like legends in the business Dave Brooks or something like Walter Day well like Dave Brooks like nobody really knows if you like nobody knows him, but he's but then a bad when, when you when you hear our episode with him, you're like, he did what? Right, like oh shit, this dude's a bad. Like, people know Walter Day because Walter Day's gotten his name out. Yeah. Dave Brooks is not really. He's on a forum like one time. He's real chill. Yeah, and then you got our episode 100. If this is up, this will be before episode 100. But our episode 100 fucking guest oh, is beyond us so to the point great. where we based an episode on that. And that so, man, that blew away all our expectations. It's like. Too. And that was just because I went to a convention. I was drinking with them one, yeah. <laughs> like shooting the shit. So it just it shows that it's not like far beyond the reach. Yeah, nothing's beyond the reach. It really isn't. <laughs> it's all in your head. The key is with all of this is that regardless of the search engine optimization <laughs> and all that craziness, as long as you keep putting out content that you're passionate about, people will enjoy it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the classic was, I'm sitting at a convention with some of the NES homebrewers, and they're like, 
I was like, yeah, whenever you look up NES Homebrew, my site's the first fucking one, my top 18 of NES Homebrew. And they're like, yeah, I don't know how you did that. I'm like, neither do I. It's probably because my website's been around for a long time. Yeah, the snowball effect. Yeah, it's a snowball effect. So now, when I start writing about NES Homebrew, it's all going to fucking connect to that site, and it's going to get bigger. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing about NES Homebrew because my NES Oddities book's already out. So when new games come out that aren't in that book, I'm going to write about them. And also, that will make it easier if I ever update the thing, because guess what? I have a bunch of fucking articles now I can pull from, so I don't have to rewrite anything. When it comes to the beginning of the episode with the snowball deal where... Yeah. you got to be patient. Just let it... Very patient. Let it marinate. Yes. Like some nice sauce, and just let it seep into the, the galaxy. The ether, right? <laughs> let it marinate. So don't get discouraged and delete your shit. And the thing is, is that if you do that, it's kind of a disservice to those who have supported you up to that point. Yeah, to yourself. And the whole thing is, though, it eventually becomes theirs. It's like the people's champ, you know. It it's becomes the people's people's elbow. Yeah, it's not yours anymore because now you have people that enjoy it. So, yeah. And I mean, our whole mentality has always been: is if one person enjoys what we do, it's cool because it's a hobby for us. Uh -huh. So, with my books, one person enjoyed them, I'd be good. I have so many people that enjoy them, it's humbling. It's like fucking crazy. The funny thing is, is like, when we're creating things, when people start talking smack, that's when you know you really made it. Yeah, because you made him care. Like... When one guy was intimidated <laughs> from my books to the point where he calls me out without saying my name. Yeah, his chest and it's shit. like, alright, so I must have hit a fucking nerve. nerve somewhere. Yeah. Because why else would he take the time? Why else would he care? Because I don't care enough to mention. Yeah, side. it doesn't become an eruption. I don't care. But on his end, his end, it, it is. It, he must be pissed off that people kept bringing up my stuff whenever they talked about his. Oh, there's already this other one. Well, yeah, I already had my shit out a year before yours. And again, perception. Perception is it. It's all about passion, man. And it was like Kyle over here with his little ass Trinitron TV that's sitting over here, and he he yes. pushes on his fucking Core Graphics Two. PC engine and it's fucking soldier blade and we watch it on this little ass Trinitron it's like perfectly mint and we're like well that's not even RGB which RGB would be the best visual you can have this is just straight up normal ass fucking RCA. you know RCA connection and it looks amazing and it's on this little ass TV and I'm like then he flips it over to the the Famicom and the Famicom's playing Life Force and I'm like alright so we need to do a fucking Life Force episode yeah. and a Gradius episode so we're like over here formulating where bullshit's gonna take us like in the next like year yeah what's cool with the smaller screen is you can get on top of it instead of getting underneath a big screen there's like a difference that's an interesting mentality it's kind of like an overblown um, handheld it's, it's an interesting mentality because everybody wants to put their game systems on these giant screens, but then you can't sit close to it like we did when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Whereas Kyle has this tiny, tiny Trinitron. I'm saying it's like probably nine inches corner to corner, maybe a foot. But when you look at the screen, it's perfect. And when you play the games, you're right up on it like we were when we were kids. So it's emulating our Dolja when we used to play stuff. It doesn't have to be huge. The, the clarity is really good. Because, like, we were playing the fucking Raspberry Pi that I had, like, yesterday night. And it was like, yeah, we were playing them, but, and it was amazing on HD on, the, on this giant screen. and But it's just something that isn't that perfect. Precise. Like, yeah. being able to play it 
on the Famicom or PC Engine, even though we played the NES and the fucking Turbo Graphics, like playing it on that little ass TV is like more akin to our nostalgia. That's the beauty of the original. Just having the original stuff is. It's just like anything else, though. It's like having a VHS or a vinyl. It's just how it was, and it's just experiencing it. I mean, that's a know? huge thing that people talk about now is emulation versus original hardware. And I see merits to both because emulation is convenient. But, yeah. like, yesterday with us fucking booting up the Retro Pie, what we're doing? Oh, let's show off this game. And it's like, all right. Back up, back to the menu, so another game. Because you have 10,000 fucking games on the thing. Whereas right here, it's like, alright, so we got Soldier Blade right here on this. Well, guess what? If you want to change it out, we got to pull out the fucking Hue card, go put it in, get another one. one. It's a physical fucking thing you have to do, so guess what? We're going to maybe play Soldier Blade a little bit longer. And that game's fucking amazing. So if you haven't played Soldier Blade, it's fucking one of the best exclusive oh, games yeah. on the Japanese PC Engine that was released. Yeah, it's like the Star Soldier, the final chapter of PC Engine Star Soldier series. Yeah. Going through all the motions. And then it's looking at the ambiance of the actual Core Graphics 2 with the orange and gray look of it. The actual system itself is awesome. He has the matching controller sitting on top of it. Flips it on, it fucking goes. Like, same thing with the Famicom with the freaking maroon and white. Beautiful. It's a Hudson. And it's like, he even has a little boot, he has a bootleg cartridge in it, though. And when you hit yeah. start, that one plays like the first game that you, if you press start, it plays Contra. But it's like a bootleg ass Contra. Yeah, there's 200 on this one, there's 400 on another one. It's still different than emulation because you're still playing it on the original console and on the original TV visual aspect with the original controllers. And when we get into like a homework episode, like a homework mode, then it doesn't matter what it is. I'll just, I'll just stick my head down and do it. But I think when you're really looking for games, we're just fucking around. You have this tendency to. It's so easy. It'd be when, interesting to see if other people have this problem of focusing. Yeah, I've been curious about that too. Because like literally, like whenever we get together, we end up drinking and bullshitting, which is what we're doing now. Yeah. And like we don't literally sit down and like, oh, Double Dragon Four is fucking amazing. We recorded the episode. We weren't together. We get together. We never play fucking Double Dragon Four. We can do it tonight. Will we? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> That's the classic because we have infinite games to play. Yeah, it was like vinyls to and listen music. to. We need to listen to the new Metallica album, for example. On vinyl. Like, on vinyl, like, needs to happen. And we'll listen yeah. to music before this, and we'll listen to music after this. And the key is, though, is that the time never happens. And that's where, like, these multi-carts make it easy, too. But then again, is there too many? Yeah. <laughs> there is. Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing is, so we do the bullshit homework so we can focus on games. And we can bullshit about it on the podcast, yet we still find it hard to fucking focus. It ain't easy. So it'd be interesting to see what other people think about that shit, because, mm -hmm. like, the Raspberry Pi is great, because you can put every fucking game on it, but then you don't focus on any of the games, because you're literally messing with it and perfecting it constantly. It's never a perfect thing. And I've even tried moving people's images, and, like, the image that I brought over here, like, we're looking at, like, worst turbo graphics. Already done, like... Like, if there's not turbo on it, like, why? That one was weird. What was that? The Game Boy Advance? Yeah. So, so like, yeah, looking at the Game Boy Advance one, the it pie. has this whole overlay on the Raspberry Pi. Well, the guy whoever made that image, the, the image is, like, blown up, and it doesn't fit in the little image box that he created. So they created this image box, and then they didn't put the image in it. 
and then it runs a little slow because it's, it's a bigger image. And so it's interesting, like, they didn't test one Game Boy Advance game to see all of the thousand that they put on there don't work. <laughs> a thousand <laughs> games that just aren't, don't work. What else ran slow? Is that PlayStation? PlayStation 1 ran a little slow, whereas on our Coin Ops arcade on the original Xbox that we've had hacked for years works fine. Symphony didn't boot up, did it, of the night? Symphony of the Night did not boot up on the Raspberry Pi. Sure. It does work on Coin Ops. For mine... I think Kyle's coin ops is like a standard, like don't have to expand it. Mine, I expanded a hard drive in my Xbox. Is yours the same Symphony file for Raspberry and Xbox? I mean, I, How does that I have no idea. I wonder if it's a file. So with Raspberry Pi, I'm going to this website and they have this like memory card ready files that you download everything. And you just throw it on the memory card. Interesting. So mine like emulates a NES classic or Super Nintendo classic. That's what that image the visual looks like and that's mm -hmm. that's what the nes classic looks like okay so that's what i downloaded because it looks cool now they're obviously missing turbo graphics which is crazy like it needs to have turbo on it that's the one omission like yeah. i would remove like all those playstation and 64 games that nintendo 64 games that don't work right and throw every turbo game on you can remove like a couple of those games and put every turbo yeah game i on concur it. with that all the way that to me is Next to the NES, that's my favorite. Absolutely. It's so, right up there with Genesis and Super Turbo Nintendo. and Neo Geo and Neo Super Nintendo. Ge all that. Like, everything 2D is our bread and butter. That's the one thing people on the cast have already realized. Like, once you yeah. go into 3D, it's like, eh, well, some of the 2D-based games on the Saturn are great. And, like, Coleco and 2600, that's cool, but that's, that's still, like, before when it really peaked. The NES, in all the way up till... The SNES and Neo Geo is like fully. Yes, yeah, so that's like the third to fifth gaming generations. The fifth gaming generation is when PlayStation and 64 came around with 3D graphics, but the Neo Geo was part of that. Third generation is Nintendo. And the reason why I personally, I don't know, I can't speak for Kyle, but why I personally like that more than the Coleco and the Atari is because the graphics progressed to the point where it became more. Art. Immersive. It was less like we gotta fucking imagine what this dragon looks like in adventure. It looks like a duck, but it's a dragon. And this little square is your character, where you have like a character that can be artistically create recreated by an artist. Like a perfect example is some of my covers, like guys have recreated some of the characters amazingly in their own style. I think of the, one of the best examples of that, and I agree completely. So something is represented by like a, a circle or a line or a crescent, whereas if you play Zelda for the NES, the first one, the magic wand looks like a magic wand. It's like a it's like a Lego thing where it has a little top piece where you can see like okay, that's a magic wand. So the me. the little bit of extra graphical capability exactly what you're saying. immerses you a little bit. Better. And you know what it is instead of like, oh, I have this line. Now, and I, now I have to consult the instruction and book. it's still not perfect, so you still have right. to use your imagination a little bit to make it look like a real wand. But it's perfect to the point where it's enjoyable. I think a lot of people agree with us because the Nintendo Switch now, with the new system, the current generation, has a lot of retro throwbacks that like feel like a Legend of Zelda but like with newer graphical 
capabilities and explosions and shit. But it's like I'm literally playing Legend of Zelda on a new game that's downloadable or physical, and it's like pixelated and shit. It looks just like what we remember in the the third and fourth generations. Because third generation is Nintendo, fourth generation is Super Nintendo Genesis, and they go a little bit beyond that, but it's still is it held it's held to those standards that we were used to in those generations it still hits those play mechanics that we love yeah and we were talking yesterday how genesis is kind of like the nes and the difficulty where it's like cruder where the snes feels a little more gentle well yeah like softer what we were talking about because we were playing a little bit shinobi 3 and it was like the genesis is a little more difficult too especially like unforgiving exclusives like, it's fucking hard. Yeah. And the Super Nintendo felt... And it's not holistically, because there are some fucking hard Yeah, games. you always have your outliers. But, generally, we yeah. can beat the Super Nintendo games. But it also might be because that's what we grew up with, and I never had a Genesis. You did, but I didn't have a Genesis. I never beat a lot of the Genesis games, exactly. though. Exactly. Another thing, too, with the controller, it's always seemed like with the D-pad, you could never get really deep into the Genesis comparatively. Like... With the uh, SNES and the NES, I always felt like I could just control it a little bit more to the point where I could, like, excel. Yeah. It's more time with the systems, probably, as well. Yeah. I don't know. But even, like, picking up, like, the fucking Famicom controller sitting right there, it's like bread and butter, man. Yeah, just that, this D-pad, whereas the Genesis had, it's like a rounded... Yeah, so the D-pad on the NES is your cross pad, and then your... Genesis is right here. It has like a little rounded circle. We're actually literally looking at them right now while we're recording. See, there's the difference, like, and it's like a circle thing. So the diagonals aren't like built into the cross. And it's key. like the Genesis was made with like twin stick shooters in mind because you can literally hit the corners up perfectly. Whereas here, you can't hit, hit a corner. Right. You, you have to you hit, hit it with the D-pad. But that's natural for us because we put so much fucking time. And in the controller that Kyle has in my hand right now is the fucking Hudson B controller, which is literally the tattoo that's on our ass. <laughs> yes. yes. The B-Bros. B-Bros on our ass. And it's an extension that comes off the front of the Famicom, but it's, it's the same style as the Famicom. But it's still, like, you, you when you press it, you press both the up and to the left at the same time. Whereas on the Genesis, it's like, you have the circle, so you could press it on there, but it just doesn't feel as natural because it's so big. So it's like, even if you have giant meat paws, it's like, digging like Gamester has giant hands, yeah, like it might work, but you're still used to the Famicom or the Nintendo controller. Because you can't hit the diagonal without being super precise. Mm-hmm. Whereas the NES is kind of like, you should just hit it. Yeah. It's even really weird. And even with the SNES. Because the SNES is literally the same D-pad, it's just a little more rougher because they put a little coating on it. The yeah, interesting, interesting one is, is Kyle's pulling out the PC Engine, kinda like which this. is like, it's kind of like the Super Nintendo, but if you look at the size, like, look at the Genesis size is much Big. bigger than the S. This one exact. is this exact, exact. So, so the PC Engine D-pad is the exact same size, and the controller is the exact same it's size yeah. and shape as the Famicom. But you have the rounded corners on the NEC PC Engine. Mm-hmm. The other cool thing about the PC Engine, which Kyle's aftermarket fucking B-butt controller has, <laughs> is your adjustable turbos are on the controller automatically. So you had to buy an aftermarket controller 
for the Famicom for right. Nintendo. Right. Nintendo was your joypad, yeah, Sensui. That's what you got and with Famicom with, right there. With the Turbo, it's awesome. on the controller automatically. Now, Kyle's we're looking at the orange Core Graphics 2 controller, but all the Turbo Graphics controllers have this. Yeah, because you have even the second player on the Famicom didn't even have a starter select button. And it's interesting looking at Kyle's aftermarket fucking B-Buck controller because it's a little bit bigger than the actual Famicom controller. Yeah. Slightly. But the slight big you know aspect is probably about the same size as an NES controller if you look over compared to the joypad over there. It's about the same size. As your joypad. It's the exact nice. same size. Yeah. So like the aftermarket... Famicom controllers were actually created at the, as the same size as the NES controller, whereas the Famicom ones that had to fit on the side of the console were a little smaller. Right. And of course, on your Player 2, you had your microphone that you can kill the like-likes with, right? In Zelda. Or the um, Pulse Voice. Pulse Voice, and not the like-likes. I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, that's the alcohol talking. Yes, right? Yeah, the reason why I started talking about controllers, though, is because we were talking oh, yeah. about Atari 2600 joysticks, and you literally hold the joystick with your right hand and press the button with your left, which is the opposite of what we play controllers with nowadays. Everything's yeah. with your left. Yeah. But even in arcades, like, most of the joysticks, like, there are some you play with your right, but most you still play with your left and hit buttons with your right hand. So it's interesting that Atari... Designed their controller like that. Yeah, their main controller, with the right, righty to left button pressing. But it's like that's what we played with. It's like almost like left-handed fucking style. You know what it reminds me of? It's like a mouse. How I use the mouse with my right hand, but I'm left-handed. Yeah, but it's completely natural because you. That's you, what you're used to. You create your brain pathways. Like you can, you can train. That's it. what it is. Your body is incredibly trainable. I mean, it's classic when I tell my daughter something like she just wants me to go up to the castle in Mario Odyssey, and I'm like, she's like, well, I can't do it, and I'm like, that's because you haven't done it enough yet. Right. You need to, you need to practice more. Yeah. And the, literally the last time she wanted me to do it, I'm like, well, you try first, and if you fail, I'll do it. And she went up and jumped up there first time. Got him. And I'm like, she gets it. Like, yeah. she's playing 3D platformers at not even six years old yet, and it's fucking crazy. The practice aspect. Right. Once you know it's coming, it changes everything. Yeah. Well, and she's watched me do it so many times. Yeah. So she knows what to do. It's the hand-eye coordination being able to do it. And it's the same thing with the right-handed using your mouse or the right hand using your Atari joystick. You're fucking used to it. And it's weird going back to that now. Because if you play an emulator with the Atari emulator on, like, a RetroPie or anything, you're playing with a normal controller. Still, left maneuverability, right button. But when you played the Atari back in the day, you had your joystick that you could carve with, and it was with your right hand, and your button was with your left thumb. As the rest of your hand holds the controller with your left hand, you press your thumb on the button. Like, that's a different palatable experience that you can't get with emulation. Right. So it's interesting. Nintendo's a little easier because you had your controller, but with any USB controller, it ain't the same as that Nintendo controller we just picked up. The buttons don't feel the fucking same. And then when you're not playing it on little-ass TV that you're right in front of, and you're playing on HD TV that the image has to stretch on, plus go through an emulation thing, plus go through loading, plus go through a USB to lag to the controller, plus the controller not being the same, it doesn't feel the same. Mm. 
And whether that's a eighth of a second or not, it's still a difference. A difference. Which is the thing with if you're doing like high scores and like no deaths, a lot of times we work off like triggers, right? Yeah. Where like oh, you see this in the level, this is my time to hit it, or sound triggers even. Mm -hmm. So if that's even a slight difference. So the main thing is though, is if people listening. Fuck you up. Well, if you've never played the game, that emulation's different. fine. That is starts a new. Hundred percent fine. Yeah, that's. But like for yeah. us that have played Super Mario World, Mario Three, Contra, like, we've played on the real system. Preconditioned, like. It's gonna feel different. Not that it's wrong. But it is different. It's gonna be different. Yeah, it's like riding a bike, but it's not the same. Yeah, so you gotta pedal backward now instead of forward, <laughs> like something like that. Yeah, it's like all right, so now you gotta hit the shifter with your left hand instead of your right hand. Yeah, like it is what it is. That's actually a really good analogy. Yeah, you have to relearn the controls, but it's more so the mental impulses that have you shoot. And when you're fighting bosses and everything is twitch memorization, like with fucking platformers. The shit is all off. That was like uh, Kevin's house with Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah, Ky so Kyle. I could not beat with it. Our, with our season house. one fucking guest host. I beat like, it on this TV. Kevin had him playing on his HD TV with a Frame Meister, the perfect emulation. Kyle could not beat Super Ghouls and Ghosts. He plays it on this little ass Trinitron sitting right here that's in his game room. Beats it first time, no problem. So Kevin watches him play, oh, you need to beat this for the fucking, for my channel. Well, Kyle can't fucking replicate that shit, because guess what? It's a fraction off. Yeah, Kevin's and like, oh, it's, it's, it's one for one. I'm like, no, it's, it's not. It's definitely not one for one. <laughs> now, if you've never played the game, you could probably do all right on it, because it's you don't have that memorization aspect. But when you do have a no-death run memorization aspect, like Kyle has with Super Ghouls and Ghosts, guess what? You ain't gonna beat the game the first time through when you're on the spot recording live. And also throwing that in on the spot. I, on I the wanted to mention spot. that. Absolutely. Because then you're, it's a whole nother loop. And then Kevin got mad at Kyle because Kyle yeah. couldn't do it the first time. And Kyle's like, come on now, guy. Like, really? This guy's doing it for fun. Yeah, Candace is like, Kevin's been yelling all day. All day? Like, like oh, dude. Fucking weird. But it's like, but the thing is, though, is like, all right, so fucking record Kyle playing on his Trinitron. I guarantee you'll fucking beat it. I just don't like that snap, like, do it. Well, if I said, do yeah. it, but you're doing it in your zone, you'd fucking do it. Like, you'd be a little bit stressed, but you'd be able to do it if the shit was expected. But when you're doing it on the spot, plus it's not the same exact fucking actual response that you're expecting because it's not one-to-one -one on a giant-ass TV, no, you're not going to fucking well, beat it. Well, people don't understand. I was telling like I we're, like, over-analytical, so now you got me, like, fucked up in my head. Well, yeah. <laughs> now I'm not in my, like, zen. And neither of us are, like, competitive world record holder let's play in front of a live crowd gamers. Like, I set my... Super Punch Out world record in front of Walter Dane, Billy Mitchell, like live, but that's like six seconds. Well, like I said, I could have done it with Ducktales, but that's after two months of like training. But mine, my all my records are like seconds. Like I beat them fast. Yeah. Yours are like no death run. Like I had to play for an hour, fucking perfect. That's after at least that ain't a, easy. That's after at least a month of training, marathon, and, and then a whole another month of like the recording process. Because once you're recording, that's a whole another mind fuck. Because that's basically a marathon, mini, a mini marathon 
Because a marathon's like fucking George Lutz doing 70 hours on Q-Bird or 100 hours on Q-Bird. That's insane. But, like, yours is still, like, it's still an hour or two on fucking Super, yeah. and super Goals and Ghosts, which is unrelentingly hard. Well, the recording um, thing, too, people need to understand where... Put you on what, spot. Once you press record, the world changes. Yeah. It's almost better to, like, secretly record. Yeah. I always felt like... It, our if, best if people thing, could hear our best conversations, it was when we weren't recording. Hell yeah. Because then I'm you're shooting the shit we're not, drinking margaritas. We're not thinking about well, right now that we we're have, being recorded. You know we I mean? have the amazingness right now of that we can edit. Yeah. So that's where we still are fine. It's absolutely different. Yeah, when it, you're, uh, it's especially hard. when you're playing something that is like a record. Yeah, you, just, you you think about it and then you think about it too much. What's well, like the classic, the Tetris World Championships when I was doing the commentary and you have the classic Jonas who beats everybody every year, but like the last couple years he hadn't had the best score going in the finals. But competitively he fucking keeps his cool and he beats everybody. This dude Corian from Japan goes there and like I shake his hand and he's like shaking and nervous as shit mm -hmm. and Jonas beat Moss the floor with him. But then like afterward we're all sitting there drinking after the fucking after the Tetris World Championships, this was in 2016, mm -hmm. he was, like, fucking maxing out Tetris back to back to back. Chilling. When, no, when, when it didn't when, matter. When it didn't matter. Everybody's still watching him, but it didn't matter. Yeah. that's And, like, dude can fucking max out Tetris multiple times. This year again, didn't win. It's a huge thing. But it's, like, it's it's when shit hits the fan and you got to compete, you got to compete. And that's different because the dude is the fucking, I consider Corian the best Tetris player. But he can't win the world championships because he's not a good competitive player. That's where you gotta have the respect for the, the big performers, like you know, fucking Jonas on Tetris. Like your Jerichos or your Rocks, who just are like wrestling style. They're so yeah. fucking flow though. Like damn, you got thousands of people and you're just flowing. That's hard they to do. do that shit man. Live, live every time. That's man. impressive. Even Vince. Vince is like one of the best characters fucking ever. Brutal. He's. These little expressions are hilarious. But yeah, people who can just turn it on like that, I give it to them, man. Cause that's well, it's like good. us recording here, and we record at Midwest Gaming Classic live in front it's, of an audience. That's adrenaline. Panels, dude. It's a different world. Adrenaline's awesome, though. Exactly. It's fucking crazy. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, Archer's podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a phone number. It is 262264VGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo. Later.